It's another week of Puckopolis. Hi again, everybody. I'm Nick Brunker, voice of the Cyclones, with the head coach of Cincinnati Cyclones Hockey, Jared Scaldi. It's another week of the offseason, and we have plenty to discuss, uh, including some news out of the NHL, possible team moving away. We will discuss that, plus another history in the making, potentially, in the American Hockey League, and we'll recap a bit of the Kelly Cup Finals as well. That's all coming up on this week's edition of Puckopolis. But first, let's kind of squash a rumor that has been going around, and it's one that kind of happens a lot at our level, and that is uh, whether or not this team, and many teams go through it in the offseason, but this team in particular is going to make the jump to the American Hockey League. And the answer to that question is a triumphant no. The Cyclones will be playing in the ECHL again in 2011 and 12. And I know from your end, it's been kind of business as usual, just kind of getting yourself ready for another year at the Premier AA Hockey League. Well, I think the biggest thing with the, the Cincinnati market, especially the Cyclones with the success they've had here in uh, um, you know, it's a great market. It's got a great history. So I think every year we're going to be hearing rumors of the American Hockey League coming in. I think it's a, it's, it's a market that potentially the American League would like to explore. But uh, at this present time, uh, you know, we're going to be playing the ECHL and uh, very proud of it and uh, looking to continue the success that uh, we've all enjoyed here in Cincinnati. Another big part of our offseason is looking forward to our Meyer Concrete Clones events. We'll be spending eight different Saturdays at different Meyer locations around the tri-state. You can see the dates and the locations for those on our website, CyclonesHockey.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you're likely already online. So check it out. It's on our website, and it's also on our event calendar. So mark yours as well, and we'll hope to see you out there beginning June 25th. And I know you got kind of a taste at the end of the uh, the summer, last summer when you first took the job. And I know, just like myself, you're getting really excited to, to do it all over again. Uh, it's such a great event. The, the, the people in our staff, staff here of the organization have done a great job with the Concrete Clones, and it's great to see the kids out there, some kids that, have, that play hockey, some kids that have never picked up a hockey stick before out there playing um, playing in the middle of summer and uh, I have a lot of fun I know our staff does we have great sponsors again this year that are going to be coming out supporting it and um, you know really looking forward and getting a good workout there because it gets pretty hot some days so it's uh, it's a lot of fun and we got a full schedule this summer. Let's discuss now more about the hockey world. There's a lot going on. We'll start in the ECHL, kind of work our way up the ladder. Uh, the Kelly Cup Finals, ironically enough, finished uh, one year to the day that the Cyclones won. In 2010, Cincinnati t uh, took down Idaho four games to one on May 21st, 2010. Exactly one year later, the Alaska Aces knock off the Kalamazoo Wings in five games on May 21st. Kind of an ironic twist, and it, it was, uh, I think, against what you and I both discussed last time we sat down. I, I thought Kalamazoo was going to be the team that maybe had the upper hand, but it, it kind of proved to be the opposite, and what the Brabham Cup champs from the regular season uh, continued to do, they ran through the playoffs. Yeah, I, I really thought Kalamazoo was going to take a good run at it. I, I liked the way they'd been playing at the end of the season and throughout the playoffs, and, uh, you know, they were battle-ready and battle-tested, and, um, you know, anytime a team takes a long break like Alaska had to, and now having a shortened playoff uh, series that they've had, I, I felt that that would play into Kalamazoo's fader, and it looked like it was uh, a case of a, a very talented, hard-working, fast-skating uh, Alaska team and, and, and a tired group of Kalamazoo wings, so... Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate the way it's set up sometimes. I mean, I think uh, the uh, Cyclones went through it last year playing, I believe it was 24 playoff games opposed to uh, uh, a limited Idaho, what they had to play. But, um, you know, it's just the, the logistics of things. But, uh, you know, Kalamazoo had a good run. It's good to see somebody from our, our, our division uh, do well. We knew that they had a good team. They have a solid leadership and uh, 
Um, you know, I'd like to see it go a little further, but uh, great job by Alaska and Brent Thompson up there and a great organization. From a Kalamazoo standpoint, former Cyclone Nick Bootland making himself uh, uh, an Eastern Conference champion and a, and a Kelly Cup uh, Finals participant. Move to the American Hockey League, and I think Cyclones fans will remember uh, remember uh, the 2010 uh, run to their uh, Kelly Cup playoff uh, championship, going through the Reading Royals in a come-from-behind fashion, down 3 nothing. historical, only sixth team in pro hockey history to do it. Uh, tonight, there's a chance that Pro team number seven will uh, make that historic comeback. The Hamilton Bulldogs, uh, a three games to none series deficit erased. They're going to have game seven tonight against Houston. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, series. I mean, Houston's got a good team. They're well coached by Mike Yo, a former Pittsburgh Penguin assistant coach that won the Stanley Cup. And, of course, Hamilton's had a lot of success over the years. So uh, it's amazing how, how just mentally and momentum can change things. And, um, you know, fortunately for for uh, Houston, they're at home tonight. They've got that advantage of having the home ice advantage. But, um, you know, you see a lot of these series, and in those game sevens, anything can happen there. It's uh it's a crazy time of year, and uh, you know you you're kind of just uh, looking for a good hockey game, and uh, you know whoever te whatever team gets the better bounces is going to win that game tonight. You've been in this situation before, where you've been in games that are that are must win. Certainly, the pressure. And we talked about this last time with with San Jose and Detroit. The last time they were kind of in the same situation, Detroit battled back and nearly uh, made that historic comeback, but they fell short in Game Seven. Uh, in the mentality of the player, or even take me as as a coach. Uh, what goes through the minds of, of a team that is on the, the negative side, the team that just lost three straight and really has all the pressure? Obviously, San Jose overcame that and won, but, but what goes through the mind of a player and, and maybe the tense uh, feeling in the locker room before that big game seven, hoping that you're not on the bad end of history? Well, you got two different mindsets in, in locker rooms, and, and definitely you got to rely on your leadership. I mean, I think a team like Houston who's up 3 nothing, lost one of those games, and uh, uh, they could have closed it out in double overtime and ended up losing. So um, you know, you've got to put that negativity behind you. you got to have short-term memory loss, and um, you've really got to just focus on that one game and playing your game and enjoying the moment. Some guys can get paralyzed by uh, by moments like this and just focus on the negativities and the, and the what, what could have happened and stuff. So... The, uh, and I'm sure Mike Yo's doing a great job of it. He's been in situations before at the National Hockey League level that, uh, you know, it's one game. We just have to go out there and win one hockey game and forget about what happened in the past. And, of course, from a Hamilton standpoint, I mean, they're they're all positive. I mean, they've made a good run at it. Of course, they want to win game seven. But, uh, you know, a lot of the pressure is on, on Houston. So, you know, they're coming into it with a, with a great feeling, a great attitude. And uh, the, the one thing that they've got to be careful of is not being too loose and, and not, not uh, putting too much stake in the fact that they've come back. So I think it's very important that they, uh, um, you know, focus on this one game at hand. Anything can happen. And, and for Houston, to get rid of that negativity of what's happened in the past. All right, so the NHL will move there now. And, and obviously there's still uh, plenty of things undecided that the Eastern and Western Conference Finals still battling to the end. And, and I think uh, without getting too much into the details, um, it, it, this point of the year, when you're looking at these these teams, the final four left. Um, I, there's one favorite in my mind. That's Vancouver. I think that they've they've kind of proven that they are the team to beat. Uh, on the other hand, you have a team like Boston who is kind of battling two evils. They're battling the fact that they haven't won and, and been successful in the playoffs for such a long time, and then they're they're playing kind of uh, the quote-unquote sexy pick in the Eastern Conference all playoffs along, and that was Tampa Bay, a team led by Steve Eiserman, a team we talked about on last week's edition of Puckopolis. Uh, they uh, are one game away from the Stanley Cup Finals. So is Vancouver. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in the Finals, or who do you think is going to get there? 
Well, starting out the West, it looks like, uh, uh, you know, San Jose's had these question marks around them for, for years. And, you know, you, you, you hope they got over the hurdle with the Game 7 against Detroit. And, um, you know, they played, they played solidly, but it's just amazing trying to get their, their top guys to play at that top level consistently. And, uh, you know, Patty Marlowe's an extreme talent, but, you know, he takes a lot of brunt of it. Uh, just by the way he plays, he's got a laid-back attitude. He... Um, you know his compete level all the time isn't there, but when it, when it is on, he's absolutely terrific. So, um, you know, and then with Joe Thornton, you know, he's had a a great playoff. But in order for them to come back, it's going to come down to those two guys. Danny Heatley's flown under the radar a little bit, but you know they're going to need more from him. Those three guys right there are going to really have to step up and uh, and lead this team. And then, you know, it's easier said than done against a a well balanced team like Vancouver. They've got two of the best players in in the world, and the Sedin twins, and you know Kessler, who's an absolute beast out there and uh, they've got a lot of compliments there you know a physical defenseman in Bieksa and you know potentially one of the best goaltenders in the, in the league so um, you know it, it's a tough challenge uh, you know they really uh, they really rely on all different parts of their team Vancouver and it's going to come down to their big three in, in San Jose to get them over that hump. What about the Eastern Conference? Uh, you know it's interesting I really like Tampa for a few games there and it, it's amazing now they're running into that goaltending situation whether Dwayne Rollison's running out of gas or what it is I was glad to see Mike Smith a former teammate of mine in Utah get that start uh, last night but uh, you know Boston's the same way they've got a lot of skill they've got a lot of leadership and they've got a physical presence with guys like Lucic and stuff. All right there's one thing that I think is also a burning question in the NHL the Stanley Cup playoffs aside uh, you certainly you address all the teams that are playing and, and that's really the focus right now on the other hand there is a, a news story that really isn't a story as of yet other than just kind of a rumor going around uh, that is probably going to be more fact than, than rumor uh, and that is the the sale of the Atlanta Thrashers and their uh, their imminent move to what would very well likely be Manitoba and Winnipeg so uh, I mean you're talking about uh, a franchise that has lost a team or a city that, that has lost a team once and got it back and now is about to lose it for a second time and move back to a to a place that if you go back into the early 90s and, and even earlier than that uh, talk about a city that really loves and, and embraces the sport of hockey and always has kind of sad to see him lose him when Phoenix Coyotes uh, or the Winnipeg Jets moved to Phoenix uh, Atlanta moving back into Winnipeg Let's just go under the assumption that it actually is happening, that it is official. The Globe and Mail reported that it's all but officially done. Uh, assuming that that happens that way, give me your thoughts on the move back to Winnipeg for hockey. Well, first of all, I, I'm very excited that Winnipeg's getting a team. I think uh, you know Canadian hockey fans across the country, I think, uh, uh, will be very excited about getting the Winnipeg Jets, especially the city of Winnipeg. Um, you know, just on a, and this is my opinion, I'm, I was disappointed that it wasn't the Phoenix Coyotes moving back. I think that would make a complete circle and a great, uh, great storyline and uh, something that I think uh, would really mean even more to the people of Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, for whatever reasons that didn't happen, um, I'm a little sad that it's the Atlanta Thrashers after playing for the Atlanta Thrashers. They've got a, it's a great city. They've got a f fantastic facility. There's been people put a lot of hard work, guys like Don Waddell that have been there from day one building that franchise. And, uh, um, I'm sad to see it go, um, you know, as we say, if that is the case. But, uh, you know, the thing that strikes me the most is that the lack of resistance by the NHL and specifically Gary Bettman to allow, um, you know, the True North group to purchase the Atlanta Thrashers without any resistance at all. Every time you see an owner come into an NHL franchise and, and, and go to uh, purchase it and there's talk of relocation, the NHL definitely steps in. They always step in and there's always uh, some sort of debate and, 
a lot of times the sales don't go through because of the fact that the the new ownership group wants to relocate it and uh, for whatever reasons that that we don't know or maybe we will find out or maybe never know is uh, why why the commissioner's office is really not putting any fight and just sort of letting the uh, Atlanta Thrashers uh, be moved. And, uh, you know, that strikes me as odd. I don't think in any sport you really see it that easy. Um, whether paperwork has been signed and everything's been okay, uh, it still seems a little too easy to be able to buy a franchise and move it out of a, a market like that, a market that, uh, um, you know, is, is a big league city you know with the falcons and the, and the braves and the tremendous success the braves have had throughout the 90s and um you know and i, I you talk about the success of the thrashers having played uh, a playoff round and stuff and of course that that's frustrating for fans but i mean there's a bigger picture here of uh, the investments that people and the hard work that people have put in to bring a franchise and keep a franchise in Atlanta just to see it easily be purchased and moved to winnipeg when you talk about that what the effect on the game will be it has kind of a, a ripple down and a, and a trickle down effect uh to, to not only the the American Hockey League with this level, there is there is news, at least in that story, about if they move back to Winnipeg that they're going to play where Manitoba plays right now, and that is the MTS Center, uh, and what that could do to them. Maybe they move, or maybe they have to be kind of pushed away from the city, kind of like what they do in Chicago with the Wolves and the Blackhawks, and then you have the, the additional ripple-down and the trickle-down effect into the ECHL, where you have a team like Gwinnett, who was kind of sitting pretty with their affiliate. They were about 35 to 40 minutes outside of Atlanta, uh, and you have your triple-A or your, I'm sorry, double-A uh, uh, affiliate literally uh, a, a drive away. And now all of a sudden Gwinnett could be on the outside looking in as to finding where they're going to be in 2011. Yeah, I mean, I think as a franchise, they're going to be fine there. It's just a matter of uh, affiliates. And this time of year gets crazy. I mean, you're hearing about the Portland Pirates, uh, um, you know, the, the Buffalo Sabres owner buying the Rochester American, moving the uh, affiliate back to Rochester, opening up Portland with opportunities for teams to go in there. So this is the time of year. I know the Chicago Wolves are are obviously with Atlanta, if they're gone, are going to be looking for an affiliate. So there's going to be a lot of movement going on at the AAA level. Once the Winnipeg situation gets settled, you'll start seeing the ripple down effect throughout the AAA level at the American Hockey level and potentially at the AA level here at the ECHL of who affiliates with who and and where some allegiance are so a lot's going to happen over the next few weeks next month and uh, it always gets interesting this time of year. Take your questions on Puckopolis you can go to our website cycloneshockey.com or you can also Send your messages via Facebook and Twitter, twitter.com slash cyclones or facebook.com slash Cyclones. Details, of course, online all the time, so you can submit your questions. We have several to get to. Uh, obviously, the big one that we kind of answered about the American Hockey League, it becomes kind of more of a, a discussion and what's going to happen. Who knows? We'll find out together. We can tell you now that the Cyclones are going to play in the ECHL this season and not in the American Hockey League, as many people have, have kind of just wondered and asked that question. They have hypothesized what if, and as you talked about all the movement, that certainly a question this time of year that pops up, uh, but that, at least for one, can be answered with a triumphant no. Now, the next question we have is from Jenny, who uh, writes on Facebook with, a year under your belt, Coach, what worked well for you and the team, and what might some changes in the program be when you get going back in October? Well, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, getting the job in August and, and re-signing a lot of guys from last year I thought it was important, and especially to our fans, to see a lot of the guys that, that helped bring a Kelly Cup back to uh 
back to Cincinnati. And, um, you know, some of the, some of the guys worked out, some of them didn't. And uh, I think it, it, with, with uh, the summer here to now to build a team with bringing some guys back, some guys that I thought that had good years, some guys that I think can help us, uh, um, you know, move on and, and, and achieve our goal of another Kelly Cup in Cincinnati. So uh, that's the process that's going through right now is, is, is going through that decision. But, uh, you know, it, it's um, the, the biggest thing, I think, is depth. I, I found that uh, uh, you've got to have some depth early on. When, once the movement starts, the, the call-ups, the injuries, you've got to be able to have enough depth to uh, spot guys in. And, I, and if there's one thing I did learn is, is to make sure that we have enough guys, whether you have to put some guys on the IR early on in the year to keep them, keep them around and – Stuff like that because it seems the whole season you go along, you're just scrambling to replace that uh, the, the bodies and replace talent. And um, so that's the biggest thing that I've learned this year is to make sure that over the course of the summers that we make sure we have enough talent uh, to sustain the call-ups and sustain the injuries. Jeff writes, which is better, a college player or a junior player? <laughs> They're both the same. <laughs> I don't know if that's a loaded question. It's interesting because, you know, my background is a major junior. I grew up uh, playing major junior in Canada and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, nowadays the way hockey is, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the one, one advantage of getting a college player is you're getting them at 22 years old, 23 years old, a little more mature been around a lot of times with junior kids you know they're coming out at 20 they're just moving out of a, a billets home uh, where they're playing first time on their own so there, there's some issues arise that way but uh, but overall I think uh, you know a hockey player is a hockey player whether you went to the University of Miami or you played for the uh, the Belleville Bulls I think uh, you know we're looking to bring in some guys that are gonna help us win a championship I like how you use Miami you throw that in there for me well I have to plug that all the time for you Nick <laughs> thank you for being with us thanks a lot that's like Lund's head coach Jared Scaldi I'm Nick Brunk proud graduate of Miami University. This is Puckopolis.